Good morning. Good morning. How you guys doing? Awesome. Great to have you this morning. I'm glad that you showed back up knowing that I was going to be talking about money this morning. I wondered if it'd be an empty morning. Uh, hey, if you have your Bibles, uh, go ahead and turn to, uh, we're actually going to be in three different passages this morning, one Malachi chapter 3, um, one in Matthew chapter 6, Mark 12. Uh, I'm going to be giving you just a pet plethora of scriptures because I want to look at um, how, the, how the Bible actually talks about giving, about generosity, about tithing uh, from the Old Testament and then also uh, in, in the New Testament. Um, before we get started, there's a a couple of things that I want to say. I'm going to do everything I possibly can to cram in this morning, a whole lot of stuff. Um, but if this is your first time, and welcome you. Um, my name is Pastor Chris and believe that you have, uh, believe that God has something for you this morning. I first want to say this, is that um, I want to honor the uh, preparation of our worship team. Yes. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Um, and, and I want to say thank you to, to Michael, the team. They put a lot into it. Most of the time they walk away on a Sunday morning feeling like they just blew it <laughs> um, a lot of times. Um, and I know that feeling um, because there's like this expectation of what, how they want things to happen. And, um, and I just really am thankful that um, it's not about their performance, but it's about their heart. At the, at the core of it, and they truly do come prepared. Um, and, and, and as a result, um, I, I love to see when you guys get a little rowdy in worship um, and become a little undignified, um, if I can even say that. And so I just want to say thank you to those guys. The other thing is I want, to, I want us to take a moment and I want us to pray because there's been a lot going on this last week, um, unless you've been hiding under a rock. Um, but there's obviously a lot that's still going on with Israel, um, and it just seems to be escalating, let's be honest. Um, and then there's also, just with everything that went on um, in Lewiston, Maine, um, I just thought it would be appropriate for us to take a moment, and what I want to combine that with this. I want, you, I want us to take a moment and listen to the Lord. Uh, His Word says that we are to be still and know that He is God. Okay, because I believe that in times like we've experienced this past week, um, it can a lot of it can cause a lot of emotions and even unsettledness to 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 because I was talking about Ashley. Um, Lewiston is much like a community like Leland, about thirty five thousand people. Although the Brunswick County is growing, you know those kind of things. But uh, you know, and, and sometimes I try and put myself in those situations. What if, right? How would we respond? Um, and so let's take a moment and let's just listen and then let's pray. Um, let's pray for the things that are going on in Israel and let's pray for the things that the, Lewis, the Lewiston piece of it. God, we, uh, we first want, we want to listen. So God, if there's something that you want to state to us, your word says to be still and know that you are God. And I believe when we do that, it puts everything else that's going on around us, it puts it into perspective. And so help us to listen. 
God, we pray for the things that are going on uh, in Israel. Pray for all of those who are being affected by this situation. We pray for peace. God, whether it's a part of prophecy being fulfilled um, more than anything, God, we know that uh, it's just another sign of the fact uh, of the end times that you are coming back. And so that in itself speaks to us. God, we pray for Lewiston. We pray for that community. We pray for the families who have been so affected um, by this, by the loss of, loss of loved ones. We pray for the family of uh, Mr. Card who are probably struggling with what he has done. And God, we pray that um, your peace and your comfort would come into that town God, I pray for the believers who are in Lewiston right now, for the churches that are in Lewiston, that they would be a place of hope, a place of comfort, a place of peace. God, we pray for our nation. We know that uh, there's not a whole lot of people who are running toward the things of God. And so God, I pray that uh, those who are believers, much like us, would be places of, of hope, of joy, of contentment. That even when everything going on around us seems to be falling apart. <laughs> We're able to find peace in the midst of a storm. And so God, I pray that this church and your church would be a lighthouse. In our community, in our nation, and around the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I get the privilege uh, this morning of doing the one thing that some, some pastors love to do, which is talk about money, but I'm not one of them. I uh, have always, always kind of struggled with the whole money piece of it because let's be honest, if you talk to many people who aren't connected to church in some form or fashion, um, they don't like it when the pastor talks about money because they think that there's an ulterior motive. And, and let's be honest, the church hasn't done, the, the, church, the church in general hasn't necessarily done a great job of, of painting a, a biblical picture when it comes to money. And so my goal and my desire, my hope this morning is that I'm able to paint a picture of, of biblical stewardship. And, and what that actually looks like. Because really, this morning is not as much about money as it is about mission. 
Okay, right? We've been talking about that for the last couple of weeks. If you've been, if this is your first Sunday here, the last two weeks, we have been in this Defining Moments uh, initiative, this Defining Moments series where we've been talking about expanding the building, but being reminded that it's not about, it's not about um, what we're, what we're wanting to build and what we're doing as much as it is why that we're doing it. That it truly is about the mission that God's called us to in Leland, North Carolina. And for whatever reason, he's continued to help this local body continue to grow instead of just sitting back and saying, well, we're not going to do anything about it. It just sucks to be people if they come in and they don't have to be, have a place to sit. We, we said, no, we want to be a church that loves people, that cares about people, that we're willing to take risk, even if it means adding on to the building. Even if it means taking another step in what it is that God might want to do to grow his church in Leland, North Carolina. And so, if you weren't, haven't been with us, we, we handed out some little booklets like this. If you didn't get one, make sure that you get one before you leave. Um, if you have one this morning, make sure that you turn to page 30. All right? Page 30, Cultivating a Heart of Generosity. There's sermon notes. There's also some, some questions. If you want to take those home and look over those, or if you're a part of a small group, your small group will be going through those. There's also a website that you can actually go to now. If you go to our website, crosswindslive.com, on there, there's a defining moments portion of it, and you can go see all of this information um, uh, on, that, on that website as well. And then make sure that you get a commitment card before you leave, because what we're asking you to do is begin to pray now as to what it is that God might want you to do as a part of this initiative because it takes money to expand the building. It just does. And ministry takes money. And so we're, we're not going to apologize for that because we believe in the mission that God's given us. And so we're going to do everything that we possibly can to run after that. We also want you to consider, hey, wh because what we've been praying as a staff is what are those defining moments that maybe over the course of these next few weeks, there's a defining moment that God has where he reveals something to you that is a defining moment in your own spiritual growth that God wants to show you, and we would love for you to share those stories with us, much like what George and, and Susan did just a little bit ago. You heard John and Jen last week. You'll hear a couple others over the course of the next couple of weeks, too, but we want you to, we want to hear these defining moments stories. And then also know that there are some resources available. We have a group, we have uh, some leaders who are willing to lead Financial Peace University, and so if you're looking to say, hey, how can I better steward the resources? resources that God's given me. We want to we want to offer that and provide that. And then also there's a little book that's out there on the table that we would love for you to have this morning if you'd like to have it. It's called The Treasure Principle. And I'll share a little bit about that um, in just a little bit. So let's recap the last two weeks. The last two weeks are this. Week number one was about Joshua. I asked you to consecrate yourselves, right? Joshua was getting ready to lead the Israelites to cross the, uh, to cross the Jordan. He went to them before ahead of time. He said, hey, I want you to consecrate yourself. Yourself. Essentially, I want you to put your focus on God, and, and, and as we're navigating these next few weeks, that's where I hope that you've been putting your focus is, what does God want to say to me? What does God want to do through me? Because it's about your time, it's about your talent, it's about your treasure that God may want to, is wanting to use uh, in some form or fashion. We're asking everybody who calls Crosswinds home to be engaged, to get connected, to find some way to be a part of what God's doing. 
And then week number two, we talked about David and Goliath, the believing God for the impossible. That David and Goliath wasn't about David. It was actually about what God did through David. And that God wants to do the impossible through us. And so Ephesians 3 has been kind of the foundation that we built this series off of. It says this, now to him who is Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than you could ask or imagine. That's where I want to stop this morning. Now to him who is able, I know that there's much more to that passage, and, and I'll actually be teaching as a part of the series, the last, the last Sunday of this series, we'll be talking about Ephesians 3 a little bit more, but I wanted to stop there. Because I want to start with a question. My question is this, what do you make priority? What do you make priority? Right? If you actually go and look at your schedule or your calendar over the course of the last week, you'll realize what you made priority. Won't you? Like, how many hours did I do this? And how many hours did I do that? And how many hours did I do this? You, you realize what's really priority. Right? If family's a priority, then you take time to spend with them in some form or fashion. If your job is a priority, and it has to be, if you have a job and you, ha- you have to go to work, right, then it has to be a little bit of a priority, then you make time to do that because if you don't, you're going to lose your job, right? If exercising is a priority, then you carve out time. You're either going to get up early and you're going to go exercise or after you get off of work or at some point during the day, if you're retired and you don't work, then you can do it whenever you want. If sleep is a priority, then you make time for sleep. And so so the question becomes this morning, what is it that we make priority? And because this morning is not about money, it's about mission, okay? It's not about money, it's about mission. So hear the heart of that this morning. And here's, here's a thought that I want to give you as we launch this is this. The only thing that will last... The only thing that will last is what we do for the kingdom of God. Soak that in for just a moment. The only thing that, the only thing that will last for eternity, because I've heard it said quite frequently, you can't take a U-Haul with you, right? I mean, they don't, they don't put a U-Haul behind your casket, behind the hearse, as they're driving you to the cemetery, and, and the only thing that we do, whether it's our time, whether it's our talent, whether it's our treasure, the only thing that actually matters is what we actually do for the kingdom of God at the end, at the end of the day. And so let's look, at, let's look at a few scriptures that help us begin to understand the whole treasure part that, that God has given us. I want to start in Malachi chapter 3. If you are familiar with this, you've probably heard this. If you've grown up in the church, you've probably heard this passage preached time and time and time again. You kind of understand, you probably understand this. In the Old Testament is where God revealed this whole idea of tithing. Because that's kind of where I wanted to start. Because the Old Testament is, is pretty clear on the fact that that um, in the Old Testament, they actually tithe, and tithe was 10%. So when they would tithe, whether it, was, whether it was money, whether it was animals, whether it was their crops, they would take the first 10% and they would take it and, and sacrifice it or give it, uh, give it to the priest. 
And so Malachi actually speaks at Malachi chapter 3, verses, uh, let's go 8 through 10, actually speaks to that. God is talking about breaking a covenant by withholding the tithes and offerings from him. And he says this, will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. So God's talking to the Israelites saying, hey, hey, because you're not bringing your tithe to the storehouse, you're actually robbing me. He said, but you ask, how, how are we robbing you? And God goes on to say, in tithes and offerings, you are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And he, this is the first time and the only time that he actually in the Bible says to test him. He says, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. So all of a sudden in the Old Testament, God's beginning to help, help, help the followers of God begin to understand that, that tithing is a part of what he has actually called us to. You see, if we give a tithe, that is 10% of your income or assets to God, it isn't as if the remaining, listen to this, it's pretty good, it isn't as if the remaining 90% is yours to do with as you please, right? It all belongs to God. It all belongs to God, but He allows us to directly manage the remaining 90%. So that's what we kind of understand as a part of the Old Testament covenant, the Old Testament law. But a lot of times our question becomes is how little can I give and still please God? How, how little can I give? Because there becomes this debate, we'll talk about this in a minute, there becomes this debate between Christians, well, well the Old Testament was 10%, but the New Testament doesn't talk about 10%. Right? It doesn't talk about the tithe. And I'll get to that in just a moment. Right? So our question is, how little can we give and still please God? Then our heart isn't in the right place at all. We should have the attitude as some of the early Christians who essentially said, we're not under the tithe. We can give more. We can actually give more. Giving and financial management are spiritual issues, not only financial issues. Let me say that again. Giving... And giving and financial management are spiritual issues, not only, not only financial issues. So the question is, often asked, can I just give my time? Here's, here's one. Can I just give my time? Can I just give my talent? Why do I have to give my money? Why can, can, I, can I just show up and do, you know, uh, I can do this or I can do that, and, and, but I don't have to give this. Well, my question is, that, didn't God give you your money too? So are you robbing God when you're not giving to Him? You're not robbing Him of your, of your time. If you're giving your time, you're not robbing Him of the talent that He's given you if you're using your talent, but are you robbing Him of, of His finances? Because everything He's given to you is His, it's not yours, right? Wow, I did get some amens, cool. And so, according to Scripture, here's the point, according to Scripture, tithing is not, it's not optional. 
It's a part of a believer's life. Now, I realize that, that some of you here may are still trying to figure things out spiritually. You're still, still trying to figure out the Bible and you're still trying to grow in your faith. Some of you, you're like, this is not, this is no big deal. You already got it figured out. Like, like for Ashley and I, we grew up and I don't, I don't know about you guys, but every time that we got ready to go to church and my mom and dad make sure we didn't miss a Sunday. I'm serious. We didn't miss a Sunday. I don't know if you grew up in a house like that, but Sundays were not optional. We didn't go on vacation. If we went on vacation, we didn't go on vacation on Sundays. If we were going to the lake, we weren't at the lake on Sundays. And, and so Sundays weren't optional for us. And every time we would get to the church, guess what mama would do? Mama would reach into her purse and she would pull out a quarter and she would hand me a quarter and she'd say, Chris, you make sure you tithe this morning. And so she began to teach Ashley, I mean, and Ashley's parents did the same thing. They began to teach us that giving back to God, that, that really wasn't my 10%. But God was trying, but what my parents were trying to do is trying to help me understand that. So that was kind of built into me. So I saw parents who navigated that. And my dad, he would always teach me, he's like, son, you always, your first response when you get a paycheck is you take your tithe out. You take your tithe out. And, he, and my dad was like, hey, hey, and one of the things that my dad always tried to do is he's like, I try to build in more than 10%, more than 10% every year I try and up my tithe. Because 10% is just a standard. But if God's blessing me and God's giving to me, then why shouldn't I give more back to him? Right? The, God can do more with your 90% than you can do with your 100%. Soak that in for just a moment. God can do more with your 90% than you can do with your 10%. You're like, well, that's Old Testament. That's Old Testament. Okay, well, let's go to the New Testament. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, uh, verse 19. It says this, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Therefore, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So I already talked a little bit about that, about what, what is priority. You know, what, the things that are important, that's what we actually spend time and talent and treasure doing. But, and so the Lord said, Jesus, this is Jesus talking. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And then he skipped down to verse uh, 24. And then he goes on to say, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and you will love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and, you can't serve both God and money. And therefore I tell you, verse, uh, verse 25, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat and what you, about your body. What you will wear is, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away barns and yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you, 
any one of you by worrying at a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, and what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God, and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So my question in that is this, what you do with your money is based on the way that you view your money. Now, I want to illustrate it. I have two ladders here. And one is a ladder that represents the world and one is a ladder that represents God or represents spiritual things. And here's what, let's make, uh, let's make the green one our, our, our worldly, because we like a lot of green as Americans, right? You can say yes, it's okay. Money is not evil. The root of money is evil, okay? So worldly things, spiritual things. And, and what I think sometimes what we like to do, and we've talked a little bit about this, is that what we like to do is say, how little can I do for God? And God be okay with me. If, if I just go to church, you know, uh, once a month, Easter and Christmas. If I just read my Bible, you know, a, a couple minutes, if I just pray before I eat, before I go to bed, in my old crap moment, if I just pray those, then, then God will be okay with me. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to do as little we can to get by. But the reality of it is, is that most of the time in those moments, we're not growing toward God in our relationship with Him. Because here's what happens. When we say we just want to give as little to God, then most of the time we have another foot over here. Right? And so the world is saying, and here's where some Christians get caught up. Let's be honest. Some Christians get caught up in trying to climb the ladder of success. And, and, and what happens is, and, Matthew, and Jesus actually said this in Matthew chapter 7, there's two roads. There's a narrow road and a wide road. You see, the, 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 this, is the, this would be the wide road to the culture, to the things. You, you see, because if the enemy can suck you into here, then you keep wanting more, and you keep wanting more, and you keep wanting more. And a lot of times we're like, Is the safety team ready just in case? <laughs> Donnie, you got me, right? Okay, good. Can you finish preaching too? And instead, if we put our focus on God and we focus less 
on the things of the world, then the higher we get, the closer that we get to our, in, our, in our relationship with God. But we can't have our cake and eat it too. It's pretty much one or the other. And I realize, let's be honest, in a church this size, there's probably a lot of us that are probably struggling between the two. Because, let's be honest, this is enticing. The, the devil wants to do everything he can to entice us into the, into the things of the world. Because it just seems to feel good. But in most instances, it only lasts a very short period of time. Because when you realize that, oh, because a lot of times it sucks us in and, and we want more and we want more and we want more, right? You get a little bit of money, ooh, well, I need a little more money. Man, oh, I, I need a little more money. And as, as Americans, we haven't learned. So here's the practical side of this. As Americans, we have to learn to live within our means. But we have a culture that, that, that says, just like the government, go into debt. Charge it. Oh, you can just add it to your debt. Somebody else can pay it. I'm sorry that your student loans didn't get paid. Maybe it's your responsibility to pay your own debt. It is. Not maybe, it is. <laughs> I know, I just pushed a button. <laughs> Live within your means. Create a budget that includes tithing. Get out of debt. Save for a rainy day. Because if you do even those four practical things, what you will realize is that you actually have the ability when you start to trust God with your resources. Because again, he can do more with your 90% than you can do with your 10%. But here's what's happening. Um, and can I just be honest for just a moment? Some of us need to confess this morning that we've been straddling too. We've been trying to play in both worlds. Some of us need to confess this morning that we've been saying, hey, what, how little can I do and still feel like God's okay with me? You see, because now it kind of gets really real. And what I would say is, you're like, well, I don't tithe. Then my question, my, my answer to that would be, then just start somewhere. Just start somewhere. Learn a heart of generosity. Learn a heart that focuses on the things of God and says, hey, I'm going to give God my first and my best. And then I'm going to trust him with the rest. But here, listen, I'll say this, is that if you're going to start to tithe, you have to realize that you're most likely going to have to cut some things out of your life. Because what it does is when we start to, when, we st when, when you start to exercise and you start to see the fat kind of going off, what it does is it makes, you, it makes you feel better. And so it actually, as you start to tithe and you start to say, well, I don't need this and I don't need that. And I, it's, it's really funny because I was going through my garage the other day. 
Like I got this shelf from a guy here in the church. He was he had it for sale on Facebook and I got it from him. I'm like, man, I got to put this shelf up because I got all this crap I got to put in there. And all of a sudden I started thinking, well, I'm looking through these containers thinking, what is this? These are my trophies from high school. Trash that crap. Like I don't even need it. Because at the end of the day, what I want to be able to do is when I come to the end of my life, I want to be able to say, I leveraged every part of my life, my time, my talent, my finances for the Lord. So look at Mark chapter 12. And I believe that Jesus illustrates this point right here. Because Jesus just doesn't want your 10%. He wants everything. Because when you give him everything, then you don't mind giving him 10% or even more. Okay, look at Mark chapter 12. Tag on it. Mark chapter 12, verse 41. It says, uh, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw large amounts, but a poor widow came and put two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. The penny just became, you realize why you just got a penny, didn't you? Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, truly I tell you, the poor widow has put more into the treasury than all these others. They gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. So the Old Testament talks about the 10% tithe as a standard. The New Testament doesn't actually reference the tithe. What it references is us giving everything to him. Jesus said in Mark 12, 30, love the Lord your God, Lord, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. Because when we start to put our focus on Him, then those things really don't matter anymore. They're not as important. It doesn't mean that we can't have nice things. It doesn't mean that we can't buy things. You know, we don't have to live under a rock. But it, thing, it means that those things that used to be important to us, they're not important anymore. Is, I heard it said that people in their 20s and 30s, Michael, you guys go ahead and come out, that people in their 20s and 30s, um, people in their 20s and 30s, um, we, we tend to focus on how others view us in our 20s and 30s, <laughs> right? We, we, we kind of get out of college and, and all of a sudden in our 20s and 30s, we, we, we want people to look at us and think that we're somebody that, you know, we, we matter, and then in their 40s, and I, and I walked, I thought walked through this major in my 40s. Then in our 40s, we're trying to prove ourselves to, to ourselves. Because we, we, we don't care about what people think about us anymore. And now in our 40s, we, we, we're just trying to prove ourselves. We're trying to find our identity, you know. And a lot of times, that's what leads people into this place of, um, uh, this place of, um, um, midlife crisis we're trying to find ourselves and then they say people you know once they get in their 50s and 60s and up 
what they realize is that they want their life to matter about something and now they want to actually leave a legacy. And the one way that we can do that, regardless of what age that we're at this morning, is by starting to put our focus on the things of God and steward the time and the talent and the treasures that God's given us. So let me give you real quick, real quick. Hey, John, you can take these and get rid of them, please. So let me give you three thoughts as it pertains to Mark chapter 12 and the widow's offering. The first thing is this, tithing and generosity. Uh, Tithing and generosity involves sacrifice, right? Isn't that what the woman did? You see, what was happening was uh, um, in the temple, these people were bringing their offering and what they were doing if they had a whole bunch of offering was they were making sure that people knew they would make a big because they would you would actually it'd be it'd be it'd be like if we had one offering box right here and everybody came by and you dropped in your offering and what they would do is all the priests and very religious people, they would walk down and they would take their whole hand of coins and they would throw it in there to make it loud like they were putting a whole lot in there. Like, oh, look at me. And this one old lady, she comes down and she drops her, she drops her two little coins in. And I can imagine everybody went back to their seat and And some of those people thought, man, Jesus is getting ready to pump us up because we put a bunch of coins in there. And Jesus said, no. Really, what the woman did with the two coins was really more important than what you did with your wealth. Because she gave, listen, listen, she gave all she had. I mean, Jesus wouldn't, Jesus wouldn't even have minded if she took the two coins and gave him one and kept the other. But she didn't do that. It says she, that she gave everything. And I think what Jesus was trying to, he's trying to prove to us is that although, yes, the Old Testament sets a standard, the New Testament says, hey, I want everything, right? If you give me your 10%, that's great. That is mine. That if you're not giving it to me, yes, you are robbing me. But guess what? The other 90% is his too. And my question is, what are we doing that? Are we giving him everything? Are we trusting him with everything? Maybe he's not asking you much like, okay, hold on a minute. Tithing and generosity involves sacrifice. Tithing and generosity, second one, tithing and generosity fights against materialism. Tithing and generosity puts our focus on God. Maybe he's not asking you to give everything, but he's definitely asking you to trust him with everything. How little I can give, how little can I do, how little can I give and God be okay with me? That's not the right question. The question is, how can I give so that I honor God with what he's given me? There's a, there's a couple, there's a couple. Let me read this story real quick. I know I'm over. Since a couple years ago, this this is a story that has so far come out of defining moments. A couple of years ago, God spoke to my wife and told her we needed to move to North Carolina. We had no idea where in North Carolina and all we knew was that we were to trust him, sell what we had and go. 
God revealed several reasons for, uh, to her as to why we needed to move. Only uh, one very specific reason was that he wanted us to live below our means. That was when God led us to Leland. After almost a year living in North Carolina, we decided the house we bought here was not our forever home. So we decided to uh, look around and find the house that we could eventually retire in. After searching houses with no luck, we decide uh, we decided to buy some land and build a, a villa in a close by neighborhood. We put $3,500 down on the land and we went through the design, design process. We picked out our lights, our fixtures, our granite counter floor, floors, appliances, ceiling, uh, fenced in backyard, everything we wanted, even designer doors. I didn't even know what that was a thing. At the end of the process, it was at the very top of our budget, but it had everything that we wanted. A couple of months into the process, my wife told me that God had spoken to her again, told her that we were not supposed to build this house. I explained to her that it had everything we wanted, plus we backed out, we would lose the $3,500 that we had already put down. She insisted that we were not to build this house. She reminded me what God told her before we moved to North Carolina, that we were supposed to live below our means. She put, in a, she put up a good argument about how much stuff we have and how none of that matters. Conversation went back and forth and I made a good case on why this villa would be a good idea for us as we got older. She asked me to at least pray about it and I agreed to do that. About a week or so later, Pastor Chris shared a vision of the church and the new building project. And when we got home, my wife asked me what we could do differently to give more to the church so that we can build the kingdom. We added to that. We added that to our prayer list. On Sunday, Pastor Chris demonstrated by using a couple of, uh, using a rope that connected people, how one life can impact another and then that life impact another all for the kingdom of God. And he asked the church, what are you doing to impact the kingdom? When I got home, I remembered about the book that we were given called The Treasure Principle. I started reading it and soon the Lord spoke to my heart. In chapter five, there's a quote that says, we move into eternity, but our stuff stays behind. I too realize it's not about the stuff, it's about impacting lives and building God's kingdom. We decided to cancel our building contract And by the way, they got their $3,500 back. We found a house that was well below our budget. It didn't have all the bells and whistles, which by the way, they just found out recently that it actually has some of the things that they were, and they just didn't charge them more for it. It's just the way God works. It didn't have all the bells and whistles, but it would serve our purpose in living below our means to allow us to be able to give more to the church and help others in need. I figured out the budget, and by downsizing to a small house, we would be able to double our tithe each month to give to the building fund and that which God told us to give. God was faithful to us in his timing. The glory is his. We didn't do anything except obey what he was telling us to do. I wish I could say that we completely trusted God to work it all, to work it all out, but that isn't true. We doubted, we questioned, we worried, we debated with him many times through the process. One thing we did have enough, though, was a mustard seed of faith. I encourage everyone who hears our story 
to read the treasure principle. It changed my heart and my perspective on what it really, on what's really important. It's not about stuff. It's about living differently by investing in heaven and building the kingdom of God. So my last thought is this, blessing comes from obedience. Blessing comes from obedience. And I wanna, I wanna close with Proverbs chapter three. And if I had the ladder up, I would probably continue to climb this ladder while I read this verse. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding in all your ways. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes for the Lord will shun evil. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Obedience. Blessing comes from obedience. Will you pray with me? God, I trust that you'll be honored. It's not about the money, it's about the mission. It's about the call to focus on the Lord with our time, with our talents, with our treasures. God, don't let money be a stumbling block to us. Don't let materialism be a stumbling block to us, God. And I pray if there's anyone here who's trying to straddle between the two worlds of materialism and spiritual things, God, that you would help us come to a place of repentance and confession and say, God, we want, to, we want our heart to be tied to the things that matter to you. Are there some things that we need to sacrifice? Are there some things that we need to give up? Are there some, some, some things that we need to do different? God, would you just reveal to us as we listen to you what it is that you want to do? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Will you stand? We're gonna sing a song called Gratitude because I think the best way for us right now to honor the Lord is to say thank you to him for what he's done for us.